listening to Raising HSE, a podcast designed for parents with students in Hamilton Southeastern schools. Each episode, you'll hear from different staff and teachers, and they'll share with you helpful tips, information that your student can use, and a few parenting hacks, because together we're Raising HSE. Welcome, everyone. Um, We are so excited for today's podcast. We have um, Dr. Cassidy with us from Ball State University, and he specializes in academic anxiety. And we're just going to have a conversation about anxiety, academic anxiety, and really how, as a parent, you can prepare your child for the upcoming iLearn testing. So um, welcome, Dr. Cassidy. Would you like to share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Gerald Cassidy. I'm a professor of psychology at Ball State University in the Department of Educational Psychology. And uh, one of one of the things I do is I, I, I run a group called the Academic Anxiety Resource Center here at the university, but we do outreach to uh, communities and research uh, groups all over the, the world, really. Great. Thank you. And we also have Dr. Lone with us today. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Yes, I'm our executive director for elementary education, and I just really enjoy learning more and understanding how I can support our programming. Um, And certainly this is an area that we need more support in and more expertise in. Um, And kind of selfishly, I'm wanting to learn as a parent as well, just like all of you are. So thanks again for being here. Well, and I'm Brooke Lawson. I'm the mental health and school counseling coordinator. And so you know, I I also, as a parent, um, am super excited to hear how I can support my children and not increase any anxiety around academics that they might have. So, you know, when we talk about anxiety, we often say, you know, anxiety can be a positive um, thing in our lives, right? It motivates us to do things. It helps us to get things done. But sometimes too much of that anxiety can be a bad thing. So can you tell us a little bit, Dr. Cassidy, about the difference between academic anxiety and maybe just general anxiety that kids might struggle with? It's really important that whenever I talk about academic anxiety, I make it clear that I'm not talking about a clinical diagnosed anxiety disorder, like generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety disorder, or even what people call school phobia. Those are significant uh, issues that uh, need the care of mental health professionals. Uh, uh, but with academic anxiety, I'm talking about that, that tension, the worry, the, you know, you, you get, you get kind of, you know, the, 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 the jitters and things like that about anxiety. And as you said, some is, is okay. You know, it's nice to have a little bit of, uh, of stress in our lives. And uh, most, most research has demonstrated that there's, there's a, there's a tipping point, if you will. And then when you get to too much academic anxiety, then it starts to have detrimental impacts on your performance. So all of our research is showing there's a, there's what we call a curvilinear relationship that if you have no anxiety, that basically means you have no motivation is what it comes down to, then you don't have any effort. And if you have too much anxiety, then you get in your own way. So And so a little bit is okay, but too much is not so much. So when we talk about academic anxiety, we're talking about those feelings of discomfort. Actually, I, I refer to them as the, the beliefs and behaviors about academic settings that, that cause you to have worry, to cause bodily responses that are you know, uncomfortable and things like that. Uh, but we, another term we'll use is preclinical. It's not clinical. I wanna talk about if, if you are having a, a true anxiety disorder, the kinds of things I'm talking about today, that, that's not what we're talking about. You need, you, need a, you need a help of a professional. Parents differentiate or recognize academic anxiety 
or the anxiety that may require some follow-up or support sure. from their students, maybe even with their homeschool counselor? Sure. That's, that's a great question. Of course, you know, it's, it's often hard to, to know um, what, what the, where that point might be, but it's, it's good to know that most people experience academic anxiety and that's okay. But what happens with academic anxiety is it tends to flare up and, and pass uh, with uh, what we call a, a state level. Uh, so you have, you have both state and trait anxieties. And when it comes to academic anxieties, that state anxiety will get greater as something that is causing pressure comes closer or becomes more, more relevant at the moment. So if you see those ebb and flow in the anxiety, then that generally means it's probably a typical and a normal level of academic anxiety. Uh, by all means, something that should be attended to and should be, should be cared for you know, by, the, by the, the support team around a child, teachers, counselors, parents, peers, et cetera. Um, if it's always there, uh, and, and, and it seems like the child is fearful about a lot of things or in many settings, then I think it's definitely time that you speak to somebody uh, to see if, if there are more things that can be done to help them. Uh, but if it's, if it's all centered on one location, that's where, where we talk about academic anxieties. My, my real area is test anxiety, but we, we start talking about academic anxiety because I want people to recognize it's not just about tests, right? Sometimes it's about giving a, a, a speech. Uh, in fact, more people procrastinate for a paper than they do to procrastinate study for a test. So, uh, you know, everybody thinks that, oh, I'll, I'll, I do better when I'm under pressure. No, you really don't, right? The, you don't do better under pressure since you actually do it when you're under pressure is what happens for most folks. So what we try to do is get people to recognize that that's ever present. It's just that sometimes it flares up and becomes uh, more, more, uh, more debilitating is the, the term I would, I would say. That makes sense. Thank you. So if I'm a parent, um, you know, what, what general suggestions might you have for me if I'm concerned that my child's struggling with academic anxiety? What might I do to support them? That's great. So we, we focus on uh, a couple of primary things. The first thing we like to do is to focus on what is the, uh, the, the likely root cause, if, if at all possible. What I like to tell parents and teachers and counselors and, and, and kids is, this this notion of test anxiety or academic anxiety, we believe oftentimes that it's it's a one size fits all situation, and it's not right. You shouldn't expect that everybody who has test anxiety is, is getting the test anxiety from the same source, it, or the academic anxiety is coming from the same source. So the, it's a good idea to kind of get an idea where this is coming from. Now, I don't recommend you become an interrogator and 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 dig in and say, oh, what happened here? What happened there? You know, just just be attentive and pay attention to those sorts of things. So once you kind of get an idea of where it's coming from diagnose that, you know, quietly and say, you know, is there something we can do to um, mitigate that, that level of pressure that we're, we're pushing, pushing onto a child? After you have an idea of that, uh, and uh, we, we try to focus on what, where is the anxiety focused? Is it about tests? Is it about just math? Is it about, you know, this one particular teacher, right, that maybe makes me nervous? Uh, you know, I missed a lot of Mondays when I was a child because I had an art teacher one year that we had art on Mondays and she scared me <laughs> crazy. So, you know, I had stomach aches on Mondays uh, and uh, took a long time for my parents to figure out it was, that's what it was. Um, so the, uh, you figure out where the source is, you figure out what the focus is, and then we start to intervene and focus on those things that matter. There are two basic things we really try to focus on when we're helping kids uh, struggle, who struggle with an academic anxiety. The first is to teach them how to uh, monitor the bodily symptoms, if you will. We call the emotionality of it. 
And uh, you know, this is where counselors, of course, are, are experts at this sort of work. You know, you talk about you know positive breathing strategies. Mindfulness is a very uh, hot topic right now. And the whole focus is really about how can you uh, release some of that tension. Uh, and there are a lot of strategies you can do it. As I said, you know, uh, people use yoga, people use breathing, people you know uh, do all kinds of centering techniques. But mindfulness is probably the one that we're we're focused on the most right now because my most recent doc student just did his dissertation on that. The second thing we focus on are self-regulation strategies, which is a big term for uh, basically good study habits. And so we focus on what are the things you can do to help those children prepare for the academic setting and, and manage everything so you, everything doesn't just pile up. Um, and that's probably the most important part for most people is if, if you can manage those two things, uh, it tends to work out for uh, backing down the level of you know extreme moments. I love that. I actually, many of those things that you're talking about are things that we're already teaching our students through our social emotional learning curriculum. Yes. So we're taking a preventative approach as a district to, you know, start with our students in kindergarten to talk about how do I be an attentive listener? What does a listener look like? And, um, and each year we build upon that curriculum. And we're also teaching a lot of those, um, you know, regulation strategies, the breathing, how do I get myself to calm so that I can stay focused? So that seems really exciting to me that we've already got some of those things in place um, to support our students. Yeah, that's such a good point, Brooke, because sometimes um, families think social emotional learning has to do with um, sort of modifying uh, behaviors that are maybe not and uh, not things that we desire in schools, but oftentimes what we're doing is supporting our really high achieving students and really kind of perfectionism and, and things like that that we see in students and we're teaching these techniques for the students that might have um, external behaviors that aren't undesirable you know they're their teacher's pet they're best in the class but they definitely have um, some shortcomings when it comes to that that work that we do with our social emotional learning so given what you know about academic anxiety how can we shift that into more what you mentioned with the test anxiety right. and kind of more situational like with our standardized assessments with the upcoming iLearn um, I think for me I'd like to know what are maybe even the top three things not to do at all <laughs> or the three things to do um, something that we can even kind of um, synthesize and market to our families sure so uh, the first thing I like to I like to give people is, is kind of a metaphor. If you've ever been anxious on an airplane uh, and you look around, uh, what do you do? You try to, you try to look at what, what I often look at are the flight attendants. And if the flight attendants are buckling up, right? And, and getting all settled in, you know, when there's a little bit of turbulence, then I get worried, right? But if I look around, the flight attendants are doing their thing and they're just chit-chatting and, and doing whatever, and they're calm and relaxed, then I, get more calm and relaxed. Now I'm not a fearful flyer, but if I see that flight attendant running to her, her or his chair and buckling in, then, then I'm worried. So I'd like you to think about that as a parent dealing with a child going into an assessment. If they look at you and they see that you're really worried about this test, then that gives them the idea that this is something to really worry about. And you know, one of the other things that I am is an assessment expert. And I'm, 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 so what I like to tell a lot of parents is, this is not really something to get worked up about. This is not the thing that you wake up on a Thursday and say, oh my gosh, we really need to pay attention to this because that's, that's not what these tests are, are about, right? They're, they're about monitoring progress. They're about monitoring where we are, identifying if a, if a, if a child you know, needs, needs a little bit more help or is excelling in something. 
So I like to say, just let's let's back off, you know, the the hyper attention to performance on these tests a lot of times. Um, so that's the first thing I like to say. And so uh, when you see experts on this uh, talking about the, the test, they'll often give you advice. And I often say, yeah, okay, that none of that is a bad idea, but I don't know if it's something that you want to do on just that particular test day. So people say, give them a good breakfast. Well, you know, if you have the, the means to do so, I, I recommend you give kids a good breakfast every day, right? You know, so uh, make it as normal a day as possible when, when the, the actual day comes along. Uh, is is what I really focus on with these tests is, you know, say, hey, you know, I, I know you got this going up today. I know it's a little bit different from your regular schedule. And, uh, and then I kind of leave it at that myself. Now, a couple of other things I do talk to uh, parents about sharing with the, with the children uh, for any kind of test, uh, you know, whether it be an SAT, you know, for, you know, high school junior or, uh, you know, the, uh, NWEA or whatever they're, they're taking. I like to talk to them about what is the process? What's going to happen? Because the more we know about what's going to happen, the less we're anxious. Um, one of the, you know, the, the big thing in my lab that we've, we've been working on right now is that anxiety is highest when uncertainty is highest. So if I'm not certain about my performance or I'm not certain about what's going to happen, that's when my anxiety shoots up. I like to know what setting I'm walking into. I like to know what are the steps that are going to happen. What are people going to ask me? You know, uh, back in my day when we did I-steps and SATs, when the person went through the mantra of, you know, get your pencil and break the seal with the, the eraser side of your pencil and they had all that, you know, that, that rote response. It just, it was a, it was a little mantra. It put me in, oh, oh, this is it. You know, this is the same thing. I'm used to this. So I make sure that the children know what's going to happen. You know, are you going to be on your iPads? Are you going to be in a different room? Are you going to be with your regular teacher? So try to make it as routine as possible by letting them know what's coming. So that's one thing I really, uh, uh, I would encourage and make it as, as, as gentle and calm as possible. Um, and, you know, don't let them blow it off. Because I've, I've worked with other schools where they tell kids, oh, this test doesn't matter. So don't worry about it. And that's almost too far. Because what we found was, you know, in that school district, they had a plummet in scores one time. And, and it was because the teachers had kind of oversold that it doesn't matter. And so the, the children really weren't paying attention during the test is what they, they claimed, or they just, you know, blew it off. So you want to just say, hey, you know, this is just a regular test. It's like, it's like everything else that we do, do your best. And uh, then I'll see you after school, right? It's not a, it, it's not a, it's not a, a rite of passage. It's, it's just, it's just another day. Makes so much sense. We do that and, and preview um, content all the time um, to, to allow students to understand how to plan and, and what to expect. And I'm not sure that we do that enough when we're thinking about this as a, a genre or content. So that's great. And I know there are some resources for parents at the state level about what is what are all these tests and 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 just so even a little tip sheet like that it can be helpful for parents to find to say okay what is it what is the typical experience going to be I know when my kids are going to be testing uh, and just so you know, I, have, I have kids at Hamilton Southeastern Schools myself uh, I've been a proud parent of parents there for, uh, children there for many years um, and you always do a great job of communicating when things are happening and, and the kids know what's going on but and, and I know what all these tests look like and how they work, but uh, the more the parents can know about that that process, the more they can probably support their their kids as they're going through. You know, our kind of last question here, um, Stephanie and I were both talking about like, you know, what are some pro tips or some preventative things that we could do um, as parents to speak to our children in a way that doesn't increase their anxiety to support them? Um, you know, I always think about like, 
I want to hold my kids accountable and have high expectations for them, but I also want them to know that, you know, I'm, I'm supportive and I'm always somebody they can come to. And even if they mess up, I'm still going to love them no matter what. And so, um, you know, we're just wondering if you could share maybe some pro tips for us. I'm not a parenting expert, right? So I want to be real clear about that because, uh, you know, just like every other parent, I, I've made lots of mistakes um, and uh, I've stumbled in my conversations with my kids along the way as well. Um, but when you're talking with kids about these things and, and, or, or interacting with kids, I think because I think the behavior as much as the words are as important, uh, you know, they look, they look to you to see what's going on. And we hear a lot about the, the parent's role in supporting children. And I love that idea that parents support their children. Um, but I think it's also important that parents recognize that it's okay for kids to stumble. Uh, if, you, if, if a child never encounters a stressor, if a child never encounters a challenge, then they never learn what we, you know, we often hear in the, in the literature now is grit. And they, they never learn how to struggle past that, that, that struggle point, if you will. So let them know it's okay if you don't get something right. It's okay if you fail at something. You know, we, we encourage the notion of, of uh, dare to fail, right? Uh, very few th wonderful things have occurred uh, when people didn't risk everything, right? you know, everything, you know, I, I, I tried it, you know, I, uh, now I don't recommend you do anything dangerous or, or ridiculous, but I do recommend that you let children uh, get out there, try some things, have a struggle, uh, and recover from it because that's where the building occurs. That's when you see the, the gains that happen. That's when you see they become more resilient. And the, one of the greatest things you can do for people who are ang anxious is to show them that they are resilient. Say, remember that time when you failed before and then you came back and you did this other thing, right? Uh, and it's a much better story when I say, remember when you did that. Then if I tell them some story, oh, you know, you, did you hear that Michael Jordan got cut from the basketball team and he came back? Well, that, that's Michael Jordan. I want to hear about what you did. Remember that one time when you did this and you did that and you were, you were able to overcome that. So build them up. One of the best, best uh, known uh, authors in the field of uh, self-efficacy and, and, and how to build children's understanding, uh, Albert Bandura, refers to that positive praise and you tell them repeatedly, you can do this, uh, but you got to make sure that they actually do it. They're the ones who try it, right? Don't, don't, don't let your kids go into like a, a terrible situation, but let them, you know, struggle in the world a little bit so they can uh, try things and find out it's okay if I, if I don't succeed uh, every time, right? You hear a lot about perfectionism. You hear a lot about uh, where we push our kids and the there's perfectionism. Another thing where they say there are two sides to it. There's the good perfectionism and the bad perfectionism. And the good perfectionism is the stuff that I have inside myself where I hold a high standard for myself. The bad one is when we get it from someone else. So that's when someone else tells me, I need you to be, you know, so if, if someone's driving you from the outside, that's when you have kids who burn out, you have kids who, uh, uh, you know, don't want to do their best anymore because they feel like there's never any way for them to reach that standard. So let them know, I'm looking for the best out of you that you've got to give, right? And uh, whatever that may be, right? Uh, and, and you know your children. That's the thing I, I always tell parents. You know what that child can do. Let them do it, you know, and be supportive, but that's it. Well, I certainly appreciate appreciate that. I think that's one of the things that um, makes our world go round is that when we introduce topics to students, we really expect them to have a little healthy struggle with it, um, to use their strategies to solve an unknown word or 
think back to the math facts they know that are doubles to help them solve this this new problem when they're trying to carry or borrow, you know, in an addition or subtraction situation. So much about early learning is about recalling um, the patterns that you've used before and applying that to a new situation. And so this all goes hand in hand. So I really appreciate our time today and uh, just want to thank you. And thank you so much, Brooke, for the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We have more great content planned for future podcasts. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss Raising HSE.